Good morning, everybody. Oh, how are you doing today? Thank you, guys. Wonderful to see you and hear from you. Um, my name is Andrew. I'm happy to be back with you. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. To be honest with you, the month of August was a very difficult month for my family and I, but I can think of no place I would rather be than here with you today. So I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that we get to look at God's word this morning. And before we do that, I just want to share with you an experience that I have every so often, and I wonder if you can relate to it. Usually this happens when I'm at a meal with friends or extended family over the holidays or whatever, and I'm telling a story, and I'm telling it really good. Like, I, I'm crushing this story. People are dying laughing or crying if they're supposed to be crying. And I get to the end, and inevitably somebody around the table who was also involved in that story goes, well, it didn't really happen like that. Right, And then they go, and when you said this, it was really me who did that, not you. And when you caught the fish, it was this big, not this big. And they go back through and they sort of fix all your errors. Has anybody ever had that happen to them before? Who, who's the person who's like, I'm the one who's fixing everybody's story? Yeah, okay. There's a couple of you here. It's an embarrassing experience, right? Like you, you get through and you're like, oh, man, like the person just made me look stupid or, or just – you know, it could be – embarrassing. I have come to appreciate it because as somebody who has a really terrible memory, it forces me to slow down, get my facts right, and it's also sort of a insurance policy. It helps keep me humble so that I won't be tempted to embellish my story, to make myself look good, make me the hero, and all of that. And we're you know, maybe you do relate to that. Maybe you're on the other side who's always correcting everybody's story. Wherever you're at on that spectrum of memory to mismemory, I believe that God has something to say to us today about that. And I hope that you have your hearts open to that. I, it's, it's, I think there's a, a decision that we make to just come into church and say, okay, maybe, maybe we all just need to take a breath. Let's just all take a deep breath. We can decide, say, God, I do want to hear from you today. I do want to know what you have to say to me. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Dear God, you are the creator and the sustainer of all things. You have never lost sight of us, and your love for us has never faltered. God, you created us with a purpose and an intention in mind. Lord, as we spend time in your word this morning, would you help us to come into line with your hopes for our lives? Would we get to experience more of what you have in store for us as a result of our time with you today? Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing our series today on the topic of rest, right as everybody goes back to school, all the students are back, all our kids are back, and life seems to probably be busier than ever, we thought it would be a great time to talk about what does it look like to rest as a Christian. And last week, we talked about the, uh, 
what, what God says about rest, it, it, we, we introduce this idea of Sabbath, which is the word that God uses to talk about rest. And this week, we are going to be looking at what he says in the Ten Commandments. We're going to be looking at what he says in one of the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Deuteronomy. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a Bible in the chair in front of you. And I highly encourage you to at least have a Bible with pages. I love Bibles with pages. Um, phone Bibles are great. Sometimes you can find things a lot faster. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. There's something about Bibles with pages. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, if you are a little unfamiliar with where that is. Fifth book of the Bible. So it's towards the start. If you got to Joshua or Judges, you went too far. Deuteronomy chapter 5. I should turn there too. I'm not even there. Uh, start, we're going to start in verse 12. This is what it says. It starts, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So this is, like I said, the fourth commandment out of ten, and one of the only commandments that gives us a really explicit why. A lot of the other commandments, he just says, don't kill. Maybe the why behind that one's pretty obvious. But a lot of them don't have an explanation, a clear explanation, but this one does. And I think it's important to ask the question, why this why? Why is this the reason that God is saying, observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy? And I think the big reason for this, the, the fact that God says, the point of the Sabbath, it, it, it's, it's pointing us back. He's saying, remember you were slaves. The reason he's doing this is because he is speaking to a generation of people that is at least one generation removed from the actual slavery that God is talking about. So if you remember from uh, maybe our story of scripture series, the, Egyptian, uh, the uh, Israelite people were in slavery in Egypt. And the ten plagues happened, and God parts the seas, and he brings them out, and then, you know, drowns all of the, the Egyptian chariots, and frees the people from slavery. They wander in the desert for years and years. So the people who receive this commandment are people who did not live through slavery. It was their parents, their grandparents who lived through slavery. And these are the people who are actually going into the promised land. God has said, I'm, I'm bringing you out of slavery, but I'm going to give you a place for you to live that's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. You're going to have so much to provide for yourself and everything. And these people are looking forward to that. And God is saying to them, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget that you were slaves and that it was me who delivered you. And so what we have is the fourth commandment is really two commandments. We have observe the Sabbath day, but we also have remember. Remember that you were slaves 
and that I deliver you. And Moses is writing this commandment to a group of people that lived thousands of years ago. And so it can be easy for us today to think about, think maybe that this is not super relevant or not that pertinent to our lives. But this, this story of being in slavery and God delivering us, this is a story that every person can relate to. The story of God's deliverance is the story of every Christian. If, we, if you're here and you follow Jesus, that means that you have come to this place where you recognize that you were a slave to sin, that you were a slave to this, this uh, brokenness in the world that none of your best efforts could, could liberate you from. Our heroes, the best and strongest people among us, could, could do nothing to come close to freeing themselves from the slavery of sin and death. And it's Jesus who comes, God in Abad comes down and gives himself as a sacrifice to liberate us from slavery. And so when we read this commandment, it's not something that's so far away that we can't relate to. It's, it's our story. God has delivered us from slavery. God has delivered us from slavery, and so we shouldn't just dismiss the idea of Sabbath as something that Jewish people do or something that happened a long time ago. We should really take a second to pay attention and say, maybe this is something that God wants me to do because God also delivered me from slavery. And there's another thing that makes these verses so pertinent and relevant to our lives, and that is the fact that human nature has not changed very much over the last 2,000 years since this was written. When God grounds the Sabbath, grounds this idea of rest in the fact that we were slaves and that God delivered us and he wants us to remember that, he's sort of saying two things about human nature, two things that were true then and are the same things are true about us today. And the first is that that. When times are good, we have a tendency to forget or minimize the struggles of the past. When things are going well, when things are, you know, everything's fine, nothing's, you know, going horribly wrong, we sort of forget. We, you know, in our best times, who, who here can relate? In your best times, you're probably praying less than your worst times. Just raise your hand if you can relate to that. We have this experience where it's like when things are good, we're fine. We forget like all of those truths about our slavery and God's deliverance. But the other thing that happens is when times are good and we experience prosperity, we tend to make ourselves the hero of the story. We overinflate our own role in bringing that prosperity to, to pass, right? Like, you know, when you finally, you know, settle down, you buy the house or you get, you know, the right job or whatever, we start to, you know, as time goes on, you can start to think that we, I got here because of the hard work that I put in. And that's not to say that hard work is not a part of the process. But over time, when things are good, we start to over, we have an overinflated view of self, right? If we're honest with ourselves, there were so many people that helped us along the way that were sort of integral to get us to where we are today. 
And so these things about humans, about human nature, are true then and they're true now. These people were looking forward to going into the promised land. These people lived their whole lives eating manna that had fallen from heaven. They understood that God was provide for them, but they're like, this manna is starting to get old. We are looking forward to the land flowing with milk and honey, and their minds are starting to get full with all of these ideas, and they're, 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 they're going to get into the land, and their schedules are going to get full, and their agendas, they, they've got to take over and get settled, and all of this stuff, they get so busy that they might start to lose their grip on these things. And so God is giving them this command, an important, important commandment. There's only 10 of these, and one of them is you need to take a break. You need to take time to remember where you came from. What we find in these verses, one of the things that comes out is this principle that busyness leads to blindness. Everybody say that with me. Busyness leads to blindness. There's a, we actually see this play out in scripture. We see this phenomenon of busyness leading to blindness in scripture. It's actually all over the place, but there's a perfect story in the book of uh, John. Uh, So if you have your Bibles open, you can turn there. It's John chapter 8. I also have the verses on the screen, and this is what he says in John chapter 8. We're starting in verse 31. It says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Many of us know that verse. But then they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Now, you jump down a couple verses to 39. He says, if you were Abraham's children, says Jesus, then you would do the things your father did, Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. And then they just insult him and they say, we are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. So Jesus is talking to these religious uh, leaders, these people who have very full schedules and very full agendas and very important things to fill their mind and fill their time. And they're arguing with Jesus. They're having this back and forth. And Jesus says, I'm going to set you free. And they're like, what are you talking about? We have never been slaves. Same descendants of the people who received the commandment in Deuteronomy. Conveniently forgetting that they were slaves in Egypt, conveniently forgetting the multiple exiles that the people of God had to go through, and all of the times that the people of God got overrun by enemy armies because they were not following him, and also conveniently forgetting that they are under Roman occupation, which has taken away so many of their freedoms. They're so busy, they lost their grip on this truth that we were slaves and that God delivered us. They had an overinflated view of themselves. This is what happens when we lose our grip. An overinflated view of themselves and an underinflated, a deflated view of God. So much so that they could not recognize him when God was standing right in front of them. And so this kind of thing, it happens to you and me. We get full schedules. We are busy people. Who here, whenever somebody asks you, in the past week, how are things going? You said something to the effect of, I'm busy. 
Anybody? Okay. Few people. Not, not very eager to raise your hand, but that's okay. When, when we get so busy, it's hard for us to keep our grip on those truths. Like how many of you have gone a whole day without a single prayer, without a single thought of God? I'm there. Like you, you, you get to the end of the day and you're like, I just, like, I could have lived this whole day and not been a Christian because there's just so much going on, I didn't even think about it. God knows this, and he gives us this commandment to help us hold on to that. Our vision becomes cloudy because busyness leads to blindness. And so what we're going to do is we are going to, we have some stations set up, and we're going to have a little bit of time together to have a meditation, sort of a Sabbath meditation. And my hope is that this little illustration will help us, will ground us in these truths. So there are, there are four stations. There's one here and here. There's one in that corner. And there's also, oh, there, there's one back here. And there's one upstairs. There's five stations. So in a second, I'm going to dismiss you all. And what you're going to do is you're going to grab one of these jars and you're going to put, listen, you got to put one spoonful of dirt into one of these jars, one spoonful, and then fill it up the rest of the way with water, and then seal it up, and then head back to your seats, and then we're going to talk through, you know, how this all works, and then um, hopefully it does <laughs> work. Uh, so go ahead now, just, just come on up, whichever station is closest to you, just come on up and grab your, uh, make yourself one of these little jars, and we will, uh, once you're done, just come back to your seat. Dirt first, then water. One scoop of dirt, then some water. There's no greater love that I have ever found. No one else I know. Lay his own life down for someone like me. In my vanity and pride. The selfless love you've restored my life. No other name is stronger on the grave, could not contain love so divine. Cannot be explained. No greater, no greater love than the love you found. Everyone's still waiting. It looks like the back is open. Can, hey, Mike, can we take this down for a second?
Well, the last few people can, can fill up their, their little jars. I just want you to imagine. I have mine over here. Hold on. I just want you to imagine that this jar is your life. It's got, well, it, it, it has clean water in it. It might be hard to tell just looking at it. And it has some dirt in it. And we get busy, and life gets all shaken up, right? And before long, it becomes impossible to really see clearly. Busyness leads to blindness, right? And our hectic lives, th this will never settle. This water will never become clear until what? Until we set it down and we leave it alone. Until we stop. This water is not going to get clearer until we stop. God says, take one day a week and let the dust settle. Your life is going to get busy, and this jar is going to get all black, and it's going to be incredibly difficult or maybe even impossible to see me. So I need you to take time to stop, to remember where you came from, and to let the dust settle. One of the reasons that Sabbath is commanded by God, it's not a suggestion, but it's a commandment, is because Sabbath settles our soul so that we can remember God clearly. That when we look inside ourselves, we think back to this story of how we got to where we are, we can remember clearly that we don't have to look through this murky, muddy water. And it's by taking time to stop and to rest that we do that. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through a short meditation. And I'm going to invite up Emmanuel if he'll come up and just play for us a little bit. And this is a uh, full disclosure. The water, when we tested it, settled in five minutes. I have a hunch that this water is not going to settle in five minutes. But the, that, that might even make more sense for this whole thing because Sabbath doesn't take five minutes. Sabbath takes it, God says, it takes a whole day. And so my encouragement is that wherever you go, when you take this home, to come back to it throughout the day. Come back and see, how, how's the water looking? Is it getting clear? Is it maybe perfectly clear? Can I see all the way through it? Good reminder every time we see it that Sabbath is what settles our soul so we can see God clearly. So this is how the meditation is going to work. Uh, you can put that slide up. It's four steps. And, and it, um, this is going to be the most use that these Bibles have ever seen because they're hardcover Bibles, and so that makes this set, setting this on top of them very easy. So I would invite, if you don't have a Bible, you can pull it out and use this because we're, we're going to have to set these down in a minute. So what we're going to do is we're just going to take a second. We're going to shake up these jars. Yours are probably already muddy, just like mine. But I want you to, as you shake it, say say this phrase, maybe a couple of times, just to yourself. You don't have to say it out loud. Busyness leads to blindness. Just say that. Busyness leads to blindness. And you can do this at home, too. You can shake it up, and then put it down, 
And then you can say, Sabbath settles my soul. Just say that out loud. Sabbath settles my soul. Maybe you need to take a deep breath and say that again. Sabbath settles my soul. And now, just take a few minutes. We're just going to take some time. And I want you to keep watching your, your jar. Hopefully, over the course of these few minutes, you'll start to actually see the water get clearer. And as we watch, as, as the, 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 the dirt settles, I want you to think back, to remember, where were the times where you were slaved, where you were trapped, and God delivered you? He says, with my mighty hand and my outstretched arm, I delivered you from slavery. Where have been the times in your life, or maybe in the life of our whole community, some stories like Brian just shared about this morning, where God has delivered us. And you can just take some time to yourself in prayer, take a few minutes, and just pray and thank God for the ways that he has delivered you. Big ways, small ways. You can even just start from the time that you were little and think, oh man, God, you... You, you delivered me from this. You, you provided for me in this way. You helped me when I couldn't do anything. Go, go just go through and try and be specific. Thank him for those things. And then in a few minutes, we're gonna come back and close in a prayer, uh, thanking God for the rest that he gives us. So let's just take a few minutes and do that.
you're still praying, you can uh, start to wrap that up. you to join me in praying, thanking God uh, for this gift of rest that helps us stay grounded in these truths. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of rest. And Lord, at times where it feels like we are too busy for it, May we make it a discipline in our lives. May we make space for this because busyness leads to blindness. And Lord, we never want to lose our grip on who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, when the waters in our soul are murky and muddy, we all tend to think more of ourselves and less of you. And Lord, would you use the times that we set aside throughout our week to settle those things out, to help us stay grounded and humble because we were slaves and there was nothing we could do to get out of that position, but it was you, it was your mighty hand and your outstretched arm that rescued us, that delivered us and that continues to do that, to continues to uphold us and provide for us even now. And Lord, may these little jars be reminders of that fact, that we need to rest. And would you be faithful to help settle our souls and in those times of rest to be able to encounter you. Thank you, God, for the rest that helps us remember. I'm going to invite up the rest of the worship team to come and close us in uh, a time of worship. And as they do, I just want to encourage you to find a, a good place to put these jars in your own home. And I, I, I double-dog dare you to, to, on Sunday mornings, maybe you just make it a part of your church routine before you leave for church to shake this up and say busyness leads to blindness and leave it somewhere and then come back to it throughout the day. When you see it, you can just say, Sabbath settles my soul. And throughout the day, whenever you notice it, whenever you see it, however cloudy or, or clear it might be, remind yourself, I was a slave, but God delivered me. That's my hope that and my encouragement that as we do that, God will meet us and that we will encounter him in a new and very important way. So let's close and let's worship God together.